The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, ready for another week on Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening. Have another star-studded cast uh, for you this evening, we're going to start off with Mark Simon, uh, certainly a guy that uh, you've heard of over the years. Mark's been in the business for a long time, is considered one of the top writers and editors. As a matter of fact, he won the prestigious Engelhart Award, although I was uh, dismissed from that side of the family uh, years ago. But Mark Simon most recently has been president and editor of the Thoroughbred Times. And as uh, many of you know, particularly if your subscription didn't show up this week, uh, the Thoroughbred Times entered into bankruptcy. Uh, we're going to speak with Mark uh, about uh, his rise in the Thoroughbred Times and his participation in it, uh, the great staff he surrounded himself with over the years, and uh, with what exactly happened to the Thoroughbred Times. It sounds like kind of an intriguing story. There's a class action lawsuit pending right now. So uh, for those of you wondering why you didn't get a Thoroughbred Times and what might happen in the future, Mark Simon, the president and editor, will be with us as our first guest. And then after that, we're going to be handicapping with Rich Nielsen. Uh, Rich has been on Winning Ponies before, and uh, if you uh, check out the National Handicapping Championship by the numbers, you're going to see Rich Nielsen's name pop up all over the place. Uh, he's qualified nine years, of which I believe only seven people in the history of the National Handicapping Championships can lay claim to. So we got a top capper with us. Uh, we'll do a couple races from Keeneland, then we're going to pop to uh, Chicago, and then down to Calder. But Rich, of course, being a contest player, is used to going all over the place. So uh, first, I want to give a shout-out to all the people at Old Friends Retirement. Uh, we met there on Sunday, uh, just on the edge of Georgetown, Kentucky, and they put together a party uh, for the staff of the Thoroughbred Times uh, with a silent auction. Um, a lot of the people that have been on Winning Ponies uh, were there. Uh, the managing editor, uh, Tom Law, senior writing, Frank Angst. Uh, then uh, young staff writer Joe Nevels was there. Uh, other contributors uh, that uh, were part of the Times, uh, Bill Mooney, Mary Fleming Simon, uh, Denise Stenophanis, uh, even uh, Marie Perdue that used to be in sales there, no longer is with them. She's with HRTV. But a lot of people showing a lot of support. I want to thank Michael Bowen for putting it together. And uh, the food was great. Uh, the bar was great. And it was great to see Saraba, uh, the Belmont winner, their newest addition to the great roster of horses to old friends. Of course, we've had Michael on winning ponies. And uh, you uh, have had the full and 
invitation to come to his farm anytime. It's a great place. All right, we got so much racing to get to. First, some names in the news, the surprise of the week. Chantel Sutherland suspended after failing a breathalyzer at Woodbine, believe it or not. Um, might have been a late-night party. I don't know. She's uh, 36 years old now, of course, best known as the, the rider on Game On Dude. Uh, she ran second in the Breeders' Cup Classic and the the Pacific Classic this year, she was replaced by Rafael Bayerano, uh, who came back uh, and won on Game on Due last week in the Awesome Again Stakes at Santa Anita. So we'll see what comes out of that. Uh, the Arctic Triumph was last week, and uh, Solamia was the winner. They're not sure if she's going to come to the United States or not. Uh, they've given kind of mixed signals right now. She, she's going to make one more career start. Uh, It could be at the Breeders' Cup turf at Santa Anita or the Japan Cup at the Tokyo Racecourse. Uh, We're hoping uh, tomorrow I'm heading down to Keeneland and going to meet with some of my friends at Equibase down there, and I was hoping to see uh, Hanson's half-brother make his debut. Not going to happen. Gunderson, he's by Corinthian out of the Dam of Hanson. Stormy Sunday had a little bit of filling, they say, in his right front ankle, and his start will be delayed. Uh, he trains at High Point Training Center, just as uh, Hanson did. Right now he's with uh, Grant Hoffmans, uh, who is uh, the son of David Hoffmans, who uh, recorded his 1,000th career victory at San Anita. Uh, word from Doc Hansen is that he should be showing back up in the entries very soon. Don't know if you're shopping for a good stud. If you want to go to Warfront, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. Uh, Claiborne announced some changes in their fees. Uh, Warfront is going to get a hike to 80000 stood for 60000 this year. Other ones getting bumped up are Arch, who's going from 30 to 40 and Flatter from 15 to 20 uh, They're going to give you a bargain discount on uh, last year's Breeders' Cup winner. Blame will go from 35 to 30 till we see his babies in the sales ring. First Samurai from 15 to 10 So uh, some changes at the great historic Claiborne Farm. Okay, let's start a look uh, at last week with two outstanding fillies who put in big wins and will soon, believe it or not, be on the auction block. Uh, Tappet's Fly uh, uh, was on Saturday. Uh, She changed her running style um, or come from behind victory in the $350,000 First Lady at Keeneland uh, shows that she's not one-dimensional, said an elated Dale Romans. Uh, Taps fly rated and then strong. Uh, the other big filly, well, we've had uh, one of the owners, M- Marty Grunder, on Winning Ponies before, and that was in lingerie, who was very impressive in the spinster stakes. If you were there before, if you got to see this race, uh, it really looked like she didn't have anywhere to go, but according to Johnny V, she had plenty to go. He was just waiting for a spot, and when she finally did get an open lane, she just took off. Another uh, guest from Winning Ponies, B.J. Brian Hernandez. What a weekend he had uh, up at Hoosier Park. The Indiana Oaks, originally Ramon Dominguez was going to ride Grace Hall, who was the eventual 4-5 to five favorite, uh, but he had plenty of commitments in New York, and they decided to go with BJ, uh, who's been riding very well of late, and Grace Hall just won in hand by 5 and 3 quarters lengths over Wine Princess and Eden's Moon. So he goes from winning the Indiana Oaks 
in the 11th, and he just gave her one little tap, and she absolutely took off, to the mount that uh, he was uh, assigned upon in the boys' race. That's right, the uh, Indiana Derby. And favored in there, Killer Bees, Rafael Bayarano and Bob Baffert shipped all the way into Hoosier Park, but they couldn't get by Neck and Neck, who just flew around the field, picking them up, putting them down, and got the job done for Brian Hernandez. Uh, talked to him earlier today after the workouts at Keeneland, and he said that both horses were just so n- nice to ride. Uh, Ian Wilkes told him that on neck and neck that they thought they'd just kind of take back, and he said that they did the work for him up front. He rallied from 10th to 1st, went 7 wide, but he said the horse was going so good there wasn't anything else he really needed to do except just take him around the rest of the field, and that's what he did. So congratulations to Brian Hernandez. And now it looks like Grace Hall, we're not sure who's going to ride her uh, in the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic, but boy, what a field that's going to be. I mean, uh, that is going to be an unbelievable group of horses getting together and it looks like Grace Hall will be joining them. Okay, let's uh, look at some more races, some upsets. Uh, Coil upset Amazombie in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship. Coil got up, was fourth, and up to first by a head. In second, it was Capital Account. Third, Jimmy Creed, Amazombie, ending up fourth in that race. So that was a definite upset there. And then again, Dullahan was looking at the Jamaica stakes in New York as kind of a Breeders' Cup prep and came up, just didn't have the kick. Joel Rosario said uh, Dullahan ran a dull fifth, but winning at 28 to one was King David. Now we told you last week on the show that uh, Rosie Napravnik was going to move her tack to Kentucky for a while, then had head down to New Orleans. Well, before she did that, she stuck around for the Jamaica, and she wins on King David. Now, check this out. Mike Maker had been shopping for this horse, lost the horse in a shake to Larry Ravelli for 25000 who moved King David up to 35000 Maker goes back in and takes it for Scarlet Stable, comes back. Rosie gets the job done at twenty eight. To one now, uh, Dullahan is you know windless on the turf. He's never raced on less than a firm ground, so they're not sure where he's going to go exactly come uh, Breeders' Cup time. But nonetheless, upset time in New York with Rosie on board. Well, last week uh, I was uh, handicapping with Ella Starr. Thought one of the best bets of the week was Dreaming of Julia, and she didn't disappoint. But let me tell you, it was not as easy as Todd Pletcher and Johnny V thought. She uh, ranged up uh, alongside My Happy Face, who won by 21 lengths last time out. But that was the maiden win. For My Happy Face and did not give up. My Happy Face and Dreaming of Julia, one of the best races of the week. The Frisette Breeders' Cup win and you're in. Up by ahead, it was Dreaming of Julia. And after My Happy Face, it was 10 and three-quarter links back to toasting in third. Well, pop the champagne. Shanghai Bobby wins and will be definite for the Breeders' Cup uh, put in another sterling performance, won the $400,000 champagne stakes by five lengths at Belmont Park. 
Rosie Napravnik, she's on some hot ones, and uh, she just forged the front, of, uh, coming towards the quarter pole, a few taps of the whip, and Shanghai Bobby just drew away as the eight to five favorite. Golden Sense finished second by a length over four to five, and congratulations to Todd Pletcher. He went past Bobby Frankel for second in the all-time earnings list with that win. And at the end of the day, Pletcher had $228,168,000 in purse earnings going by Frankel, but he still hasn't passed his mentor, D. Wayne Lucas, uh, who uh, leads them all at the top. We'll see what happens later on. But again, Shanghai Bobby first, Golden Sun second, Fortify was third. Hopefully, uh, we're going to see some very interesting juvenile races come Breeders' Cup time here just in a few weeks. Uh, the Thoroughbred Club of America, we handicapped this race last week at Keeneland. It was a Breeders' Cup win and you're in. It looks like Groupie Doll for Buff Bradley will be going to Santa Anita. Groupie Doll, like I said, the switch to blinkers just truly uh, changed this filly around. The daughter of Bowman's band is now four for four in blinkers. Easiest of wins, one by six and a half as the four to five choice. Second was Strike the Mood. And third, that'll be Honey Chili. Again, the Dixiana Breeders Futurity was another Breeders' Cup win, and you're in at Keeneland. And from flag fall to that's all, it was the rail horse, Joha, getting it done. Got up by a length, uh, upset uh, balance the books, who won last time they met in the with anticipation. Running second was Dynamic Sky, and third was Jabba's War. Again, that was the Dixiana Breeders Futurity, a win and you're in. Uh, Wise Dan, Chuck Lepresti, this guy, he is loaded. Came out of the latest eye-catching victory, looking awful good on Saturday morning. He captured the Shadwell turf by two and a quarter lengths over the Greensward at Keeneland. He had uh, Jose Lescano in the saddle this time, filling in for Johnny V. He got a great trip, posting his fourth win from five starts in 2012. His only defeat came in the grade one Stephen Foster, and uh, according to Lepresti, he reiterated Wise Dan is most likely to run, probably is the favorite in the $2 million Breeders' Cup mile on the Santa Anita turf as opposed to returning to the dirt in the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic on the same day. He got a 105 buyer in that race. Very strong, good-looking horse. Got to see him in person schooling the day before in the Keeneland paddock. Uh, Pletcher as much as he is uh, moving past Bobby Franco over in New York, he's now second on the Keeneland Stakes winners list, uh, passing Bobby Franco the other day, and he's had 35 stakes winners right now, second only to his boss at Keeneland, who has 50 stakes winners at Keeneland. So Wise Dan is going to be one to watch. Uh, if you... Really liked Wise Dan, as most people did, and we made him our pick last week. If for some reason you decided to key him on top in the Shadwell Turf Mile, I hope you had the try. $1,927.80 was the, the trifecta. 
So an unbelievable payoff with the favorite on top right there. And uh, Akenite tried to make his swan song in the Stoll Keenan Ogden Phoenix. Did not get the job done. It was some of the parts written by Julian Le Peru who took the top spot. And second was Noble's Promise, a horse that does like Keelan. Akenite, I do believe, is going to run through the sales ring now as a stallion prospect down in Kentucky. Uh, also, on uh, Friday, they ran the, uh, the Darley Elsabides. The winner there, Spring in the Air, a daughter of young stallion Spring at last. She put in that rousing performance in the Natalma at Woodbine. She is a Canadian bred, trained by Mark Cassie, and uh, got up to win by a length over Broken Spell and Magical Moon. That was one of those races that was just packed and had a great big field, great odds. Uh, one is the favorite at 4-1. to one. You love that. Of course, uh, in the Woodford, the grade three, five and a half on the turf. Distance will get the handicap tonight. Uh, the odds-on favorite, Bridgetown, made a lot of people happy at Keeneland. Well, there were plenty of other great race results. We're just running out of time right here. Hope you got a chance to uh, turn, tune in to the uh, Maryland Million, where uh, Ben's cat uh, tied the record with his third turf sprint win and not a broad one, the Maryland Million Classic. All right, well, that's enough about last week. Let's go to what's happening in the world of racing now. We're going to talk to one of the most talented people in the sport of Kings, the president and editor, at least up until last week, of the Thoroughbred Times. Mark Simon is going to be joining us here. Stay tuned to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you if you're looking for a radio show about boxing you usually can't find one until you stop by the voice america sports channel tune in to outside the ring with former world lightweight champion and u.s olympian david diaz we'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters we'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time outside the ring with david diaz airs every thursday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel the opening kickoff is a beauty it's a fly ball deep right field that goes o'neill he's a tough shot got it with 2.8 seconds left to left i don't care where they put him this one is out of here from high school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is Mark Simon, who I said up until a little over a week ago was the president and editor of the Thoroughbred Times. Mark and I go back a ways. I, I knew him before we both had 23-year-old children, so I'm kind of <laughs> dating my relationship uh, with Mark, who uh, has been an outstanding uh, writer, editor, uh, won the Engelhart Award, of course, without the T on the end, and... Uh, Put together just a great team there at the Thoroughbred Times. I know a lot of people listening on Winning Ponies uh, were subscribers and were kind of wondering where their issue was this week. Just because they went to the bi-monthly, it wasn't a bi-annual edition by any chance. Uh, got to see Mark on just a gorgeous day Sunday out at Old Friends with Michael Blown, as I said, at the head of the show. And it was so neat to see this team he'd put together, Tom Law, Frank Angst, uh, Joe Nevels, uh, his wife Mary, uh, even even. Marie Perdue, that no longer works there, came out. She used to be in sales uh, just to support the, the gang at the Thoroughbred Times. So uh, with me right now, the quarterback of the team, Mark Simon. Mark, how you doing? Very good, John. Thanks for having me. It was great to well, see you uh, uh, Thanks Sunday. for being on. I, I, I didn't know, you know if you'd be a little bit hesitant because of everything uh, that has kind of happened in, in the last, I'll say, 10 days or so. Can, can you explain to our listeners uh, how how everything came about, or at least how you know it? To come about? Yeah, well, obviously the publishing industry has been going through some troubles, not just in the thoroughbred industry, but publishing in general. It's been it's been a big change in publishing over the last ten years, and obviously the uh, birth of the internet has changed the way people get their news. So we've had to make a lot of changes over the over the years. And then obviously when the uh, the Great Recession hit, it really took a you know impacted the advertisers in the thoroughbred business. So you know the advertising lineage went down in in the thoroughbred Times and all the other trade journals. And we were struggling there for a while. And our parent company, which is Bowtie, which was uh, has Cat Fancy and Dog Fancy and Horse Illustrated and Critters and Reptiles and a whole bunch of other titles, they were going through their own struggles. And um, and frankly, the way we view it, they were using the Thoroughbred Times as a cash uh, ATM for a while. For a long time, we kind of ran out of cash. They kind of decided to shut the doors on us. So they filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy on September 14th. And the way I heard about it is the way all the other um, employees heard about it on Saturday morning on September 15th. I got home from the grocery store and there was a FedEx package on my, on my, uh, on the porch and it said, uh, Thurber Times is now out of business, effective September 14th at 4.46 p.m. and thank you very much. You're out of a job. Thanks for all your great contributions. We'll see you later. And, Unbelievable. You know, it was obviously a very impersonal way of doing it, and you should have obviously had the, the the decency and class and, I guess, even the courage to have gotten all the staff together on Friday afternoon and said, here's, why, here's what's happening, here's why we're doing it, here's your last paycheck, and thank you very much, and say goodbye to everybody, but we didn't have the uh, that courtesy. So um, it was tough. It was a tough way to do it. And I've, uh, I was a founding editor of Thoroughbred Times. I was hired in uh, in uh, June of 1985 to start the Thoroughbred Times, so it's been a, obviously a labor of uh, love for 27 years, and it came, unfortunately, to an abrupt ending. Well, uh, as I said, you know, you, you assembled a great, 
group of guys, and obviously they're writing awards and uh, their responsibility in the in the business with, with Tom Law being the president of the Turf Writers. And I, I've had Tom Law, Frank Anks, and Joe Nevels all on as guests of this program, and none of them hesitated for a minute to say, "Love to be on, happy to right, be on." Yeah, we've had, mean, we had a really good team, and we, you know, several times as a. Uh, like it's a proving ground, or, or we did a lot of mentoring of some really top people in the industry. I'm really proud of the people who who have worked there, not just in the editorial, but uh, in the research department and advertising. We had a really good team, and that ultimately that's uh, really what makes the publication. It's the group of writers, and because they're the public face of the of the publication. You know, behind the scenes, nobody knows necessarily who's in the business office or who's answering the phone for circulation. But the writers, uh, we had a really great team of uh, correspondents and staff writers who really made the publication. So we're always proud of that and all the awards and which we won. And um, so it's always sad to see when uh, something ends when you can't uh, continue for the sake of you know the 27 employees which we had uh, at the time of the uh, of the uh, Chapter Seven bankruptcy. You know, I failed to mention one person that was at the farm the other day and that has been a guest on this show, and that is uh, Greg Charcudian. Oh, uh, yeah, well, between Greg and Tom, me. as you know, Tom Law, um, yeah. they won the Eclipse Award for Multimedia for the work they did for the Breeders' Cup, um, and you know, which is one of, I think, three or four Eclipse Awards that were won by photographers or writers and multimedia for Thurber Times in its existence. So that was a, it's a nice legacy. Well, yeah, and, and another one who I know uh, couldn't make it to, to the party because she was busy p- picking up side work with Z, who's, who's just an outstanding photographer. Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, we've had, uh, yeah, she was a great contributor. Anybody who goes to a sale or to races knows her by Z. Actually, her name is Anzina Masterpleto. <laughs> people that's know why her by, I didn't say her name, real name I but I blow it. But, but, but uh, uh, what's interesting is, is, is the direction the unique, I think, on-the-edge direction that the Thoroughbred Times was taken. Uh, I know that you, you went to, to the bi-monthly, but what you offered online was exceptional. And uh, I really, I had a great day a couple months ago with, 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 with Tom and Greg when they came up to feature uh, Pete Aiello, our track announcer, uh, in, in what you guys created is the It's My Job segment. And I thought, wow, this is great. This is going in a whole new direction. This is going to show people, you know, all the little people that put this game together, not the headliners. You know, we know who Todd Pletcher is. We, we know who Johnny V is. But the, these, these show the people that, you know, really do the nuts and bolts. And it was just a shame to see that aspect of what I thought was a really creative part of the Thoroughbred Times being taken off the table. Yeah, I agree. It was very uh, good, and you know, we just talked about a multimedia award, uh, Eclipse Award from last year, and hopefully uh, I think they have a good chance of winning another one this year between Tom and Greg putting that thing together because it was a really nice, unique look. We did uh, three or four of the segments. We had more in the can. We had like about 20 mapped out just to kind of show the, the, the various uh, jobs which are in racing. I mean, obviously, um, you know, a lot of people just know kind of the – you know, the trainers and the owners who are the visible people, but, you know, this takes tens and tens of thousands of people to uh, basically put on the show on any given race day with all the people working at the farms and all the other ancillary businesses. So you would like to be able to show what so people are interested in, well, what does an exercise rider do or what does a groom do, uh, assistant trainer, an assistant starter, uh, a, a, a racing secretary, et cetera. It's nice to be able to show people all the, um, all the people who contribute to the great sport, which we have. 
Well, and those guys did it the best, and I guess you don't get an Eclipse Award uh, unless you have. Now, I guess the next question is, is this. Um, I, I think there's room enough for two publications or entities in, in racing to deliver the word about the sport and give us news. Um, obviously, the Blood Horse uh, w- would be the other pillar uh, down there in Lexington. It, have you gotten inquiries from backers that realize that it was probably the Thoroughbred Times that was feeding off these other publications because you were successful enough to do it? Uh, is there a chance that you're going to get some backers? Uh, I mean, it, it just seems to me that you're, you're too valuable to just go to the wayside. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I think there's a, a multifaceted answer to that. And one, I appreciate the, uh, the, the, uh, the acknowledgement of the direction we took. As may, hopefully many of your readers knew, we, we went to a bi-weekly format, kind of combining um, everything in a two-week period. Didn't cover as much news, but we went to in-depth features on the, on the news, telling people what was, what was happening behind it and also with the people as well as, as the issues and then doing profiles of the people. So I think it's really well received, and and as a result, I think when when you you know unfortunately when we went file chapter seven, I think everybody in the industry, competitors alike, realize the importance of another of a publication, and competition is good for everybody, whether it's on the racetrack or in publications. And right now, the Blood Horse is the only you know quote unquote trade journal um, in the in the uh, right now in operation. And in that space, and it really, it really needs another publication because we all reach our own audiences as well. And, and you know, the Jockey Club through the McKinsey Report was trying to, you know, it came up with a program. That McKinsey told them, well, here's all the things you need to do to promote the sport, and the sport is going to be worse off without a publication like the Thoroughbred Times around because said you need as many voices as possible reaching different facets of of, a, of the racing audience to kind of get the word out and and hopefully. Um, it'll come about. So that's on the on the publication side. In terms of what kind of what's going on behind the scenes, um, I have talked to the trustee. It's in bankruptcy right now, and the trustee has to give 21 days written notice on an asset sale. So I'm guessing the the, the intellectual property, the name and rights to use the Thoroughbred Times, and we have the Thoroughbred Record, Buyer's Guide, Stallion Director, etc., will be auctioned off. And from what I hear, there is a lot of interest. I can identify at least you know seven interested parties who are interested in purchasing the assets and now what is going to be done with them, whether it's only going to be concentrated on the electronic, which is the website, the Thoroughbred Times Today daily newsletter, which put out daily, or the Stallion Directory is, is one of the issues, or will someone else want to do the print edition as well? That remains to be seen, but there is a lot of interest in the assets. Well, that makes me feel really good because, again, when I look at the, the talent that you've, you've assembled, um, I want to see all, all these guys land on their feet, but it really was a great team that you already had, and it just seems to me like if somebody came in, it's like, hey, we're just getting rid of the other head coach. <laughs> Let me come in, you know, or another general manager. You're actually the head coach. Uh, well, let me come in and see what we can do with this franchise. And, and to say that uh, there's a, a minimum of seven entities that may be interested is very encouraging, Mark. Yeah, I think even aside from that, I guess the third part of the equation is that I'm already working with one group that is very, very, very interested, and obviously I'm going to be working with them this closely. So then the question is, like, can they get the assets or not, and how long is it going to take to buy the assets? 
Um, and, but we are working on some plans right now, so I think it's very encouraging. And I, and so far they're they're working up some P and Ls and you know profit and loss statements and trying to figure out what the best direction is. But um, this party I'm working with understands the importance that the Thoroughbred Times had in the space of the you know, breeding and the sales end and racing and explaining to uh, the people who are invested in the business, who are the the people who own horses, you know, buying or selling them. Um, or managing them, whatever. There is a there is a there is a market there, and and hopefully too, what is happening over the last year or so. You know, if you if you follow the bloodstock market, you know, stud fees are going up again, yearling prices are going up again, and so I think that advertising also will start following. So you know, unfortunately, one of the the, the worst parts of shutting down when we did is that we were about two months away from the start of the breeding season, or not start the breeding season, start of the 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 major advertising sales season. The Stallion Directory, and if, we, if our owner who couldn't do it could have held on for another couple of months, um, there were a lot more revenues come. All your a lot of revenues come in in the publishing business and thoroughbred industry from November through about April. But he couldn't last that long, so unfortunately. So, but I, I think other people realize the importance of it and also the opportunity. So I'm optimistic that something will happen to the good, well, and we'll have hopefully a lot of these other who people are right now who are unemployed uh, back on the employment rolls. Well, yes, for them, and also uh, I know that a lot of our listeners are subscribers. Is, what's, what, what's in it for them? I mean, can they, obviously, that they've been caught. There's, we're going, going to court on Tuesday, might find out a little bit more. If, if the Times ever came back online or back in publication, uh, would their subscriptions be renewed, or do they have to just become part of the class action lawsuit and hope they can well, get their money back from both the problem. Time? I mean, just uh, like if- Hopefully, a quick answer because it was kind of like complicated when you go in chapter uh, seven. But the reason the uh, for those people who don't know who haven't seen the filing, the the owner of the Thoroughbred Times, who owned all these publications in California, he decided that, that the bankruptcy petition is to put every single subscriber as part of the unsecured creditors. So the the subscription fee that they paid. For a subscription is basically saying you're now bankrupt. We're not going to fulfill this in any fashion with his other publication, whether it's Horse Illustrated, Young Rider, or Urban Farm, whatever. He just wanted to wash his hands of the whole thing. So anybody who had a subscription due is including the filing. So in other words, they are a creditor, and if somebody buys the assets, you know, as I said before, it's really it's going to be uh, they're, it's going to be up to them whether they want to bring back a weekly or biweekly or quarterly or monthly or whatever. And if they did, they'd probably use those. Names of the in the subscription files of the Thoroughbred Times, but they're not necessarily obligated to do so because they're kind of covered in bankruptcy. But obviously, anybody who buys it would want to use those as subscribers because obviously they've shown an interest in the Thoroughbred Times and they uh, and have and purchased it, so they're your number one clients. And I would hope that would that someone bring those. Uh, if they brought the Thoroughbred Times back, then obviously those people would be fulfilled with a subscription of some sort. But the actual details, uh, boy, you know, you like getting lawyers and everybody else involved. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that was an awful big, big question, Mark, and I know that you can't answer it. But, again, I just want to tell you how much I, I respect you, your entire staff, and how much I've enjoyed the Thoroughbred Times. Again, I have family members who are subscribers. We subscribe at River Downs. And uh, I just wish you all the best, and I've got a feeling I'm going to be talking to you in about six months, and we're going to be talking about a new publication. Well, hopefully before then. I hope so, too, Mark. Don't ask me why I said six months. I hope it's in six days. 
<laughs> it won't be that quick, but we'll see what happens. But I am All right, Mark Simon, ladies and gentlemen, an outstanding editor and writer and individual, talking to us about what's going on, the life and times of the ex-Thoroughbred Times. Coming up uh, next, uh, one of the top national handicappers in the country, Rich Nielsen will be joining us to tell us about some of his new projects, and then we're going to break down the weekend races. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker be sure to tune in to backpacking america's trails with host rob maureen we'll explore some of the most fascinating places on earth in addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and coming up next with me is Rich Nielsen. You know, I try to... Uh, pick up as many publications as I can. And for those of you that uh, belong to the American Turf Magazine or AmericanTurf.com, the one that came out, the ink's still fresh on it, has a section called Contest Central. And it gives the names of the top contest winners throughout the country with the national championships. And it, it gives certain rankings, different people that have qualified for nine years. But when I go to the back page, I look down here, and sitting in number six, all-time contest central for total contest earnings. Now, this isn't what they won for their grand prize, but for what they were able to make you know, in the contest that got them there is the name of Rich Nielsen. He sits at number six. He has qualified nine years. As I said, only seven people in the history of these national championships have qualified for nine years. And with us right now is Rich Nielsen. Rich, thanks for being back on Winning Ponies. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure as always. 
Well, Rich, you're always coming up with some new projects. Sure. The last time well, I talked I'm a good to you, you company there with a lot of a lot of really good players. Well, absolutely. Um, last time I talked to you, I believe it was just prior to the Keeneland meet, and you had come out with your book, uh, which you could also buy online, uh, which uh, really broke down what happens at Keeneland's because it, it's so short, such a unique meet, and you came up with some fantastic uh, trainer angles. Uh, is, is there a similar project out right now, or are you working on any other projects? Yeah, uh, we we updated the book for this fall meet, the Keeneland Winning Trainer Patterns, which is based on um, the trainer database of a friend of mine named Art Parker, and it's it's really some great information in there. If you if you like to play the Keeneland meet and and you believe the trainer has a has a big uh, influence on the outcome of the races, um, you know this is the book for you. It, Basically, what this book does is it, it gives the information on all the trainers over the last five Keeneland meets who have won two or more races. And that, that basically ends up with a list of 96 trainers that you get the details on. But there's four, 42 of those trainers have accounted for over 500 wins at Keeneland over the last five meets. So wow. you have a, a group of trainers that have won over 70% of the races at Keeneland, and you get the details on, on all those guys, how they've won, you know, were they shipping in from someplace, were they moving up in class, down in class, what rider was on, you know, what the odds were, what the workouts were coming in. It gives you all the details, and it, it's really not that difficult to go through and look for specific patterns and then <clears throat> look for those patterns with horses coming up at the meet, or to easily look up a trainer. And, and I actually, I was very fortunate. Um, I had a win bet on a horse on opening day. It was a wide-open group of maiden special weight runners, and I saw that David Carroll had a first-time starter going. And I looked up David Carroll in the book, and I believe he had like four winners over those five meets, and two of them were with first-time starters, and they fit the same exact pattern as this horse, on opening day, and, uh, you know, I got lucky. The horse won and, and was like 36 to 1. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. <laughs> now, before we, before we go any further, sure. I want to tell my listeners, go get your pen and pencil. Um, how do we tap into this information? Uh, well, you can get the book at, at my website, um, which I set up last year, a gameofskill.com. And it's basically a site that I set up because I think the industry doesn't promote the fact that handicapping is a game of skill, you know, it's it's completely different than than playing the slots or you know roulette or any of those casino games, and and that's what my site does is I put out a lot of different articles um, promoting the sport and also educating people, and I've got some good articles coming up leading up to the Breeders' Cup between now and and then, so uh, definitely invite everyone to come to the site. I do, too. It's a fantastic site, and you're right. This is going to be uh, a very, very interesting Breeders' Cup. Uh, there's not that many single horses that have a spotlight on them. I mean, you think about how deep you know, some of these races are going to be. Maybe there's some standout juveniles, but uh, other than that, and, of course, we don't know who the Euros are yet, uh, it should be a very interesting uh, Breeders' Cup uh, out at Santa Anita. Now, I- I've got to ask you a question, Rich. Uh, when you go to the races, how is your day at the races different than your day at a contest of races? 
Well, that's that's a good question. I guess it really depends on whether, you know, I'm going there by myself or maybe with one other, you know, serious player and we're we're looking to seriously play the races or if, you know, it's more of a uh, social get-together, which uh, I've certainly done that many times uh, over the years and and recently. So, you know, if that's the case, you know, regardless, I try to be prepared. I mean, with the contest, if if I'm going to do well, I need to be, you know, fully prepared, and that means I've looked at all the races. I understand, um, you know, the format of the contest and what it's going to take and so forth. And, of course, I'm usually looking for prices. And, it, you know, it, either type of day, I'm usually looking for, for value. And, you know, if it's a day, uh, you know, where favorites are coming in left and right, um, you know, chances are I'm not going to have a very good day. Well, uh, you're going to be faced with some challenges right now that I'm throwing at you. Stay tuned to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And there What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Hi, and again, sorry about that. Had a little glitch in our uh, technology here. Talking to Rich Nielsen, one of the country's top handicappers. We're looking at the Buffalo Trace Franklin County tomorrow at Keeneland. I did notice that the top three finishers of the Turf Amazon from Parks, I'm never going to get that name right, are back in here. Does it look like uh, another rematch there, or is there an outsider that you're looking at? Um, there is a lot of speed in the race, and I think because of that, John, um, I originally was looking at Inspired. She's kind of the obvious horse and is going to take a lot of money, and rightfully so. But I think because there is so much speed in this race and there's an extra half furlong with the five and a half, um, it sets up very well for uh, Tim Salzman's horse, Sensible Lady. Um, she's four to one on the line, and I think we'll we'll definitely get that. Um, and she really knows how to win. She's eight for five lifetime, and you know I think she, I think we're going to get a square price, and I think she's going to get the right right type of setup. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, consistency counts, and she's just been something else this year. Eight starts and and five victories. Uh, who do you want to go with underneath uh, in the Buffalo Trace? 
Well, you could go a lot of ways underneath. I mean, I think you, you definitely have to use uh, inspired. I actually wrote down five horses that I thought uh, made a case. The two horses from that parks race, the her and, and bounding by. And then um, well-deserved, the Steve Asmussen horse is a, is a price and uh, and then the two two of the horses on the outside, Maple Forest, who's trying the turf for the first time, and and Madam Geary, um, who's got a very strong turf record. All right. Well, a sensible lady, a sensible pick there, really, and especially with all the speed in here, uh, this horse with the regular rider up is going to be very very dangerous. Uh, absolutely classic race, the Queen Elizabeth Challenge Cup. A mile and an eighth on the turf. This always draws some of the best of the best in America, and certainly it's matched together a great field uh, this year. Uh, of course, coming out of uh, the Lake Placid, you had uh, uh, Stephanie's Kitten and, and Center Court, but also coming out of the Garden City, a grade one, uh, you've got uh, Tannery, Somali Lemonade, and... Um, uh, Samatar, who uh, quite frankly is the horse that, that I'm kind of leaning towards here, Rich. Uh, I know that uh, Rusty Arnold's been pointing to this cor- this race all year since uh, one of the regret at Churchill Downs, <laughs> and then he had a great quote the other day. He goes, yeah, I've been pointing to this race all year. Looks like the rest of the field has too. <laughs> well, it's a really, really contentious race, and and it these fillies, the ones you all mentioned, are very, very difficult to separate. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, they all look alike. Um, and Samatar makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's hard to hard to go wrong with a Chad Brown turf horse ridden by Ramon Dominguez. Um, but I'm actually gonna I'm gonna take a stab in this race with a horse that I think uh, could upset the apple cart and and go with kind of the outsider, and that's the Alan Goldberg horse, Tannery. Um, she ran a good third in the in the Garden City. She's ten to one on the morning line, and and her races over in Ireland were were very strong. And I think if she brings that that Irish form and and improves just a little bit off that Garden City race, I, I really think that she could uh, you know surprise a lot of people in here. Yeah, I mean they're really the running lines. It's awful hard to split Samatar and Tannery. Of course, you will have a lot of hometown representation, uh, people wanting to bet uh, Wayne Catalano with Stephanie's Kitten. Anybody that's been betting at uh, Keeneland over the last three years knows that Kitten's Joys on the turf are awesome. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he was, a, he was a great turf horse as a runner, and he's, you know, he's really passing that on in the, in the breeding shed. It's, uh, it's impressive to watch. It is because, as I recall, the the Ramses with the first crop, he was wasn't getting a whole lot of action, and they went out and claimed a lot of horses, not necessarily you know stakes winners, and, and bred them to Kitten's Joy. And man, he had a home run right out of the gate. Uh, they love the poly and and they love the turf. But uh, so it looks like a Rich and I, uh, I'm going to go with the English bred. You're going to go with the, the Irish bred. And like you said, a lot of the running styles look very similar. So many of these horses. It looks like the, they're, they're, they have a stalking style, which I guess the big mystery horse with the long layoff would be would be day at the spa. But still hard to knock a horse that's four for four in the year. Oh, absolutely, and she's the likely pace setter in here. Um, you know, she she could get loose on the lead for Castellano, and 
Um, I'm not sure a mile and an eighth is her best distance, but uh, she's a very classy horse, and you know, wouldn't be a surprise. No, it wouldn't, and uh, she has one at the distance. It may not be, be her best, but the only reason I did bring her out was because as you look at the running style of all these horses, uh, they're going to want to be running at somebody, and it looks to me like nobody's going to be running with Day at the Spa, so it'll be very oh, interesting totally to see uh, how, how it all shakes out. Well, let, what do you say we go up to Chicago here? Again, you know, we're talking distance, and um, we're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf, and... In this field at Hawthorne Park, again, it's a grade three, it's going to be a full field, and there's only three of them that have won at a mile and eighth. Uh, All Stormy, Leah, and uh, Quick Wit. Now, Leah, very lightly raced. I was kind of surprised to look down and see that Rosie Napravnik is going to be leaving Keeneland to go up and, and ride her for Al Stahl. Uh, Again, this is another one of those races that's wide, wide open. Uh, you got uh, Corey Nakatani coming in to ride all squared away, a horse who had trouble last time, but looks like it shouldn't have a problem with a mile and an eighth. And certainly this uh, Aldous Snow at 12 to 1, the two 12 to 1 shots I like are Aldous Snow and, and All Stormy, who certainly probably has faced the tougher competition in this full field. Yeah, I like all this snow a lot as well, John. Um, you asked me about the, uh, you know, going to the races versus the contest uh, day, and I'll tell you when I when I handicap, regardless, um, this is the type of race that I flag as what I call a contest race. You know, this is the type of race that, you know, I would be very surprised if the winner isn't a, a horse that pays double digits and, you know, potentially twenty, thirty dollars. So. Um, for that, for that reason, and since it looks like that, you know, potentially that type of race, uh, I, I really think this all to snow is an, is an intriguing long shot because, you know, really good form, son of theatrical, um, sharp Canadian barn. Um, you got Alex Solis coming in to ride the horse, and the horse had a troubled trip last time going a mile, and now he's stretching out to a mile and an eighth, which, uh, I think has his name written all over it. So he was, he was one of the long shots and actually my top pick in this race. Well, yeah, you know, again, he, he didn't win a mile and eighth, but he just got beat at a mile and a half. And you pointed out the breeding on this horse. So the mile and eighth for this three-year-old colt I, I don't think is a problem at all. The reason I, I like the 12-to-1 all stormy again, just missed in the American Derby going a mile and three-sixteenths at Arlington uh, on a good turf course. Uh, came back in the secretariat and ran a, as a long shot, was only beaten five lengths. And it almost looks like it was a setup race last time out with Robbie Alvarado up there at, uh, at Arlington, going a mile and an eighth on a firm turf. Uh, Rosemary Holmeister, she gets called in. Very interesting jockey colony. Uh, coming in for for this yeah. group, uh, you got casting on on a fifteen to one shot. Uh, th- this thing's going to be all over. Uh, uh, Leandro Gonzalez is going to ride for Billy Mott, a horse we yeah. haven't even mentioned. Film shot, the one horse who's a morning line of six to one. This is a price race, no matter what you say. Yeah, it really is. This is the type of race where you'd love to uh, to have the try or super fact at the end of the, at the end of the race. Um, but two, yeah, two other long shots I liked in the race were Finale, 
um, who's eight to one for Pletcher with the Carlo up and uh, Control Tower, the the former claimer for Wayne Catalano, which uh, as we know he he uh, often has the magic touch. So I thought those were two other horses along with Out of Snow, and uh, I, I can't argue with your All Stormy uh, as well. That, I mean, you can really that's the thing about this race is you can make a case for for a lot of the runners in here. All right. Well, we're down to about uh, two minutes to post here before I have to get out. And I'm going to throw a race at you named after one of my favorite all-time horses, the Spend-A-Buck Handicap at Calder, a mile and a sixteenth. Another race that I don't think has a standout in it. Who's your price horse? we got a couple of horses in here that are definite horses for course in both Cash Rules and Cosba. Um, and also Gourmet Dinner is a uh, is a horse for the course here, and he's he's returning. Oh yeah, three for four. I'm sorry, how did I miss that? I'm sorry, Rich, you got it. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's dropping off the Woodward, which he uh, shouldn't have been in. And uh, I actually I ended up going chalky in here, John. I'm on the the two Gourmet Dinner and the three Cash Rules. I I think the race sets up for Gourmet Dinner. Um, there's quite a bit of speed, at least an honest pace, and uh, I think he's going to really appreciate the return to Calder and appreciate the the uh, dramatic drop in class. So I'm actually going chalky here with the two and the three. Well, again, and then you've got the name I can never pronounce is uh, Shibanata Parbu. Uh, this horse was racing the Calder, then they brought it up to Parks. It was pretty impressive in its last race, and like I said, there's, I'd like to have the um, flying miles for some of the jockeys this weekend. Willie Martinez will be down there to ride this fair wit, a horse who has won a Calder but likes the distance, three wins from six starts. Yeah, the horse is in good form since moving into the new barn, and I'm, I'm a big Willie Martinez fan, so uh, uh, kind of a guy I'm always rooting for. So he, he, could, he could definitely sneak in there and uh, get a piece of the pie. All right, one more time before we leave, uh, gameofskill.com. Did I get that right? Yes, agameofskill.com. And uh, I have a free uh, newsletter uh, that I put out every month with the different handicapping articles and updates, and and I'm constantly updating the site, uh, if not every day, every other day. So definitely invite all the listeners to come to I just did, Rich. I invited him. Rich Nielsen, one of the best handicappers in the country for winning ponies. I'm John Engelhardt. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.